Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the Client Experience Revolution. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I have with me today, admittedly, I'm a a little bit of a super fan, I'm Marisa Corcoran of the Copy Chat. Welcome, Marisa. Thanks for having me, Raya. I'm excited to be here. I'm going to skip the whole bio and let you tell us a little bit about yourself, but I will say that I've been following you for quite some time. You have had a summit called the Copy Chat multiple times, and you've highlighted people who are very skilled at writing and um, writing persuasively. And I stumbled across your summit and just somehow it struck a chord with me and I found you online. And so here we are today, years later or however, however long it is, but tell us a little bit about yourself and about how you serve the public. And yeah, if you've been with me since Copy Chat 1.0, then yeah, it has been years. It's been like almost two years, which is really cool. I think Um, so. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, I am a copy and business mentor and I really help my clients uncover what to say, how to say it, and how to sell it so they can call in more of their ideal clients and and get them to to buy from them. And I'm really focused on helping my clients create an uncopyable message with their words and how they show up online with their websites, their emails, their social media, and then how they amplify that and create their own stage. So they're not relying on referrals or someone noticing them in a Facebook group, but how they can really establish and take center stage by creating their own, really creating their own stage in their business. I love that. And that, you know, one of the questions that I was going to have for you was what is copywriting? But I think that really does encapsulate a lot of that. Where are some places that people might find copywriting in media or for businesses, either product or service-based? Yeah, it's such a great question, Raya, because the answer is literally everywhere, everywhere. So your copy is... I always say there's like three business basic needs, right? So without sales, you don't have a business, right? If people aren't buying from you, you don't have a business. If you don't know how to call in those ideal clients, that's called you know lead generation. So you can't sell to anybody if you don't have an audience to sell to. Also and true. Also true, right? And then the third business basic need is, well, you need words to call those leads in to get them to buy from you. And that's copy. Yes. So it's it's everywhere. It's on from your website to your social media posts, but also even like what we're doing right here in a podcast. Yeah. That's also copy. It's just spoken. So it's how you talk about what you do and the way you describe it so that your ideal client is kind of nodding their head like, yes, I need this. And that there's pops of your personality that really make you not just like the best choice for them, but the like, you know, the onlyest choice. I love that you say onlyest because that is so true. That that is that is it, really. And I'm in the middle of sort of a rebrand. Well, not sort of. I am in the middle of a rebrand. I changed my business name in the last six months. I refined and honed in um, my services. And then I'm moving my website from um, a more generic website to something that's extremely specific. And everything is based around the copy. And so this is maybe a little bit why I was so like, why I'm so obsessed with like following everything that you're saying, because it resonates with me because I actually decided to hire a copywriter 
because I found that I couldn't find when with my own words, the only statement. And I wanted what I knew I wanted was for someone to smile and laugh at every page. Mm. I wanted for someone to go to my homepage and know exactly what I do. And that's something that's not on my current website. I wanted like that to be bam, like in your face, exactly both in image and in words. And then I wanted there to be little pops of like humor. So like we do client re-engagement consulting, but we also do virtual assistant matchmaking. So when you click on the virtual assistant matchmaking, it says, well, it says it with like little symbols, but it says it like, we get it. You're fucking busy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, that's what I want. Like, and, and I also get like, and we'll talk more about this later. Like that's not for everybody, but that's me. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's my personality and to the right person, that's going to make them freaking pee their pants. You know what I mean? Like they're going to, they're going to laugh at that. And so I think copy, you know, having somebody who can assist you and walk alongside you and tell your story in a way that really amplifies your voice is so important. And I, and that's something that I've been really following and seeing what you've been helping people with. Yeah. And and I think what you said, Raya, about, you know, that what you're saying, parts of your website, it may not be for everyone. And that's the point, right? Like you're trying to create this awesome, you know, party for people who want to be there. And so for the people who might want a little bit more of, you know, a buttoned up, like, you know, dinner party with like the appetizer fork and the the different classes for different things. Okay, well then this isn't for them and that's okay. Because there's so many people doing what we all do in the online space. Like nobody, let's just be real. Nobody's coming out with, there, there's nothing new, quite honestly. So what really- True, reboot, right? reboot, reboot. Yeah. yeah. So what makes it different? What makes it uncopyable? is you, is the mentor, is the person who's bringing it forward. And that's what I really focus on with my clients is what makes you uncopyable. Because if you can tap into that, then there is truly no such thing as competition. There can only be collaboration. Like I've had tons of other copy experts on the copy chat, and I've never felt in competition with any of them because we all have our specific voice and specific audience that we are catering to. So it makes this beautiful opportunity to actually collaborate with other colleagues, as opposed to feeling like you have, you know, quote unquote competition. What would you say that your voice is? What sets you apart from the other copywriters that come on the copy chat? Gosh, that's a great question. You know, I call myself, you know, I teach this thing in a masterclass series I do called Create Your Couture Copy. It's a three-part masterclass that I teach twice a year. And I teach in the second day, I call it the copy leading lady. And there's these like copy leading lady archetypes. And I base it off of myself because I am the first one, which is the hooker with a heart of gold. Oh my and God, I, I love that. And I think my whole, my whole thing is like, consider myself like equal parts, like JLo and Hustlers meets like Bethany Frankel. I'm very like, you know, I'm Italian. So there's a lot of like sass and I wear, you know, my hoop earrings and I, I could be in sweatpants, but I'm always going to have my hair and, and makeup done, you know, and I'm very much, I love to tell stories about my family. I'm an open book in that way. And so I bring that kind of sass, you know, like the hooker has the hooker with a heart of gold has all the sass, but if you really get into it in these stories of any hooker with a heart of gold, she's always trying to like save money so she can like take care of her grandmother. And that's right. basically me. Like, if, you know, when people come, when I first started my business, it was so that I could, 
you know, talk about what my grandparents had done for me and talk about being raised by a single mom and like giving back to my mom and giving back to my community. So I feel like I bring that to everything that I do. Well, first of all, I like envision you with like, not just the sweatpants, but like with the juicy (laughs) across the bottom. Oh my God. I I had, I (laughs) listen, listen, Raya, I, I came across this thing on Facebook, you know, like if you're, I have to stop like late night scrolling, but sometimes I just like, will lay in bed. I'm like late night scrolling. And they have those are like the Buzzfeed articles where it's dear God, don't bring back the early 2000s fashion. And I was looking at it like, shit, I own all of those things. Yes. And I also thought I was Nelly Furtado for a hot minute. Oh, yes. So I used to wear my hair like in the bun with the hoops and I had a pink juicy couture and I had two of JLo. Speaking of Jennifer Lopez, I had two of her one piece like velour jumpsuits, one in black and one in like a deep cranberry red. I fully support this message. Yeah, (laughs) I fully support this message. Oh my well, gosh. let's like back things up just a little bit. I know that in other views, in other interviews, they've talked a little bit about your background, but what I love and I want to just kind of dive into is how you got your start. So you have a theater background and you actually went to Harvard for theater. Is that correct? I did. I went to, when people ask me, oh, you went to Harvard. I'm like, okay, I went to Harvard for acting. Okay. We weren't like, you know, we were rolling around, you know, finding our like inner, you know, like, yeah, I was rolling around in the drama center at Harvard. Yeah. I love that. Well, I, the reason why I think that is so amazing is because my middle child is in theater and I've watched how when she was a lot younger, she really struggled to connect with other people. She had a sister who was 23 months older than her and her sister was um, popular and connected really well with people. And she always wanted to be with her sister's friends, but she wasn't quite old enough, but she was a little too like mature for kids her own age. And it wasn't really until she found this group of people in middle school and then later in high school and then later in an advanced program where she really came into her own. And I was flabbergasted with not only the community that comes with being in theater, but, you know, the work ethic, which is absolutely like if people don't know the theater world, the work ethic is phenomenal because it is so much work to put on a show, you know, backstage, front of house, all of it. But then also just the just the ability to take rejection. You know, you have yes. to audition for hundreds, maybe, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows and hear, nope, you know, like you could yeah. be singing for like five seconds and they're like, thank you, you know, like. Oh, literally. Like oh eight my bar- gosh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been to auditions where like, typically you could sing 16 bars of a song. And I remember going to auditions where they would cut it down to eight bars. So you were literally like showing up and being like, la, 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 la. And they're like, okay, thank you. And that was it. (laughs) She is so funny. She went, they did In the Heights here in Seattle. That is her absolute favorite besides um, Fun Home is the other one. But that's amazing. So she got an opportunity to audition for In the Heights and she Mm -hmm. walked out and she's like, I didn't get it. And I was like, don't be negative. She's like, no, mom. I said, my name is Marisol Gonzalez and I'm 17 years old. And I started to sing. (laughs) She's like, I like, she's like, why did I say that? (laughs) You know, but I, but I just think that, you know, the ability to take the input 
input from your mentors, your teachers, your instructors, your directors. And, you know, when you're in a show, the ability to take rejection, all of those skills really play out in real life, you know, like in, in not just in theater, but like in, you know, what you're doing and what I'm doing, like we sometimes we're just not a good fit. You know, and that's the thing is like, it's hard not to take it personally when we're rejected, but sometimes you're not the right person for the role, you know, and that has nothing to do with your ability or the way you look or anything like that. It's just they sometimes you're not the right person for the role. And so I think that your background in theater is, is amazing. And I think more people should take theater to be really honest with you, because I think that it shows a huge level of commitment. And I can only imagine Harvard being a very rigorous program in an MFA setting. Yeah, it was very rigorous. I would say that everybody should have to take like, you know, an improv class or some sort of theater class. And I think that everybody at some point in their life should have to work in a restaurant and wait tables. Oh my gosh, for sure. And I think those two things together are the reason why and how I was able to keep going and be successful and start my own business is a mix of, you know, what I learned as a waitress and, you know, the side gigs that, you know, and it's, and Mm -hmm. once you get to New York city, it's like, yeah, when you were saying, right, everything that goes into doing a show and it's like everything that goes into maintaining yourself as an actor, like maintaining the, the quote unquote craft of it, like the skills that you have to be able to have to play like in the big leagues. And then you got to also like take care of yourself. So, I mean, I would be working at the restaurant till midnight, one in the morning, only to be up again to like make it to an audition, go to voice lessons, go to dance class, like work out back to waiting tables. It's like, you're constantly like pushing yourself and then working. So the work ethic, like you said, it's like, I've just never known anything else. So I just tried to bring all of that to when I started my business, like just working really hard and and showing up as often as I could. It sounds a little bit like having a newborn, to be really honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it does. They it. tell I you, like, because so you're a patient after you've given birth. So they're yeah. like, oh, you need to take care of yourself, but you need to feed a child every two hours and you need to change their diaper and you need to do this and you need to do that. But take care of yourself, but drink water, but take care of yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's what it really, really sounds like. But, you know, it's all for the craft and it's all like, like I said in the very beginning, I am totally a musical theater junkie. And that is the one thing that COVID has really stolen from me as I had season tickets to the Paramount here in Seattle. And I just like, oh, I just miss it so, so much. And you can watch it on TV, but it's just not. No, it's It's not the same as that that live experience, right? It's not the same thing. No, I just wanted to say, because I thought it was so great when you were talking about, you know, like being able to face rejection because for any of anyone else who might be a Schitt's Creek fan out there, I was listening to Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis, talk about how before she landed the role of Alexis, she hadn't worked in over two years. And I think it's important. And I didn't realize it until I listened to her the other night, how important that is for people in, in the business world, especially online to understand. Because I think people think like, oh, okay, I put my website up, I put my course out there and boom, every it's all going to happen. Yes. And I think for, as an actor, I don't know, I never expected that. And I think maybe that was why, because I understood like how Annie Murphy was saying is that she went over two years and didn't perform. She didn't book a job and she didn't leave acting. She didn't go, oh, I'm out. 
right? And I think that there's a stamina, there's a resilience that actors have. So when I first started with my clients, especially when I started teaching and branching out into my group program, that was one of the things that I noticed at first was just people wanting things right away. And I was like, mm, no, it doesn't, it, it doesn't happen that way. There's no such thing as an overnight success. There just, there just isn't. No, I think that's so true. And especially with what you're doing, you're building, well, you're building the story, right? Like you're building the rapport, you're building the relationship and you can't possibly do that overnight. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't know these things about you if I had just like tried to put it together like the night before we had a podcast, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I hope you don't think I'm creepy that I like all scoped you out. And everything. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because that's what it, that's what I don't think people, like, that's what it takes. Like, that's what I think people forget because often you're sold these messages of like, just follow the steps to this funnel and you'll make a million dollars. And it's like, oof, no, you have to have more than anything. You have to have resilience in, I think, the acting world and, and, and to run and to run your own business. You have to have resilience. Well, I wanted to dive into one of the things that... So I know that when you came back from Harvard, you couldn't take your nannying jobs anymore. You couldn't really wait tables because you couldn't have a regular schedule because you needed to be available for your auditions. And so you sort of stumbled upon copywriting because of a friend. But what I found so fascinating was the way that you stumbled upon copywriting, like how people knew that you were really good at writing. So can you tell us that story? Yeah. So in grad school, you, at the end, you do a showcase and you perform usually a scene, a monologue, you can sing. There's a variety of things that happen at these showcases. And usually do one in New York, LA, sometimes Chicago and agents, managers, people, casting directors come and they decide like, oh, okay, is this someone I'd want to work with or bring in for auditions? And it's like a big moment, especially when you, you know, spent two years rolling around, (laughs) you know, trying to find yourself and, you know, in acting school. So when you would have these agent meetings, they saw you at your showcase and then they'd say, okay, Raya, you, you know, we'd love to have you come in for a meeting. When those meetings were done, you always wanted to send a thank you card to say, hey, thanks so much for you know, having me in your office, it was great to meet you. You want to start that connection. Even if they don't sign you, you're, you're beginning that rapport. And I was, I found that I was helping a lot of my friends, my grad school friends write these thank you notes. And one of the things I just naturally did was will not talk about the business. It was something that I actually hated about grad school at first was everybody just always wanted to talk about acting all the time. And I was like, oh my God, does, does anyone here watch Real Housewives? Like, I was like, Seriously. can we talk about something else? And so in these meetings with agents, I would make it a point to like talk about life. And so I'd say to my friends, do they have a dog? Did you like their tie? Do they have a picture of their kids? Like, what else did you talk about that wasn't the business? And so when we started putting that in, they were getting these great responses from agents. You know, I actually remember this other story when I was meeting with an agent it had been recommended the short of the, of the long of the story is that this guy, my uncle knew this guy and that's why this guy took a meeting with me. And so I think he was prepared for the typical questions I was going to ask about being an actor. And I remember about halfway through, I said, okay, can I ask you something? And he's like, yeah, I go, I can ask you anything. And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, I know that you're Halle Berry's agent. So is Halle Berry really that beautiful in real life? I need to talk. I really just want to talk about Halle Berry. And he just started that. like, he just started dying <laughs> laughing. And basically I just asked all these questions about Halle Berry. I was like, you don't understand. She's like my idol in this world. I think she's the most beautiful woman that's ever walked the planet. Like, what is it like to be in her presence? What's like, what is her, what do her hands feel like? <laughs> like I, and we had this great conversation <laughs> and 
not only then, the next day, he put in this good word for me to a manager. And about two days later, I got a call from him asking me, was I still going to be in LA for a while? And I said, yeah, I was. And he said, well, I'd love to have you do this reading. Would you want to be part of a reading? I said, yeah, I'd love to. And the reading was at Al Pacino's house. I went to Al Pacino's house and did a reading with Al Pacino. Yes. And I don't think it's because I was a great actor. The guy never even saw me act. It's I think because I talked to him like a real person. Yeah. And we had like a real conversation. So I tried to bring that to my friends, to everything. And so when I got to New York, I had a really good friend of mine who was a life coach who had been an actress, but was a life coach. So was in this online space. And you have to remember, this is like 2013. So the online space was still like a little bit the wild, wild west. Right. And she was like, well, these people need help writing in a, in a similar way. I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, they need help. And I know you can help them. I'm like, well, I don't even know what I would do. She's like, just say you'll do it. And that's how I started. I remember I took my first job helping a financial coach. And she asked me to write a, a JV packet. I had no idea what that was. And I said, sure. Junior uh, varsity well, cheerleader packet. Yeah, right? junior varsity. Let's do it. You know. And I said, well, you just send me some samples of the ones that you like. And then I realized, okay, this is a joint venture. This is an affiliate packet. And that's basically just how I learned everything. But I tried to just apply that real world, like just speaking to people, using specific examples, all the stuff that I learned from acting school, like really being specific. What's your intention? What do you want somebody to get out of this email? How do you want somebody to feel? And I just kept getting more jobs, more jobs. And it helped because I could write at any time. I could write at night. I could write in a lobby of a casting director's office. I could write anywhere. I could write on set. I remember doing a commercial and I'd be, I was in the trailer, like working on this website copy. And I was in a Thanksgiving commercial. I was the mom in a Thanksgiving commercial. You were the mom? How could you possibly be the mom? Raya, I was always the mom. That was always for commercials. I was for the commercials. I played a mom more. Yeah, I was a mom in an Oreo commercial (laughs) in a stop and shop commercial where I said, I handed a turkey to the woman and I said, this year, I want the best bird for my family and my wallet. Oh my God. And that was my line. Yeah. And I remember being in the trailer working on this website, like in and out of the the different scenes for the commercial. And I just, yeah, it worked with my schedule as an actor, but I, yeah. I literally fell into it. I had no, I had no idea what it even was really. Yeah. What's so interesting. And we had touched on this too, is like how the crossover of this with what I do, which has absolutely nothing to do with what you do, but the intent is the same. The thank you notes and what you did with the Halle Berry conversation and ending up at Al Pacino's house is that (laughs) you took something very personal and you noticed it and then you pointed it out and you were able to humanize that person and become different than somebody else. And I teach my clients how to do that by having authentic relationship with their existing clients instead of worrying so much about chasing the new clients over and over and over again. Like, how about getting to know the people who already gave you their money? Mm-hmm. And like that. knowing when they're going to have their 50th wedding anniversary or knowing yep. when, you know, their son is going to have their bar mitzvah or knowing, knowing anything and then celebrating that with them, like sending them a card. Like I like, well, I forget what I called it, but oh, the collaboration celebration, like celebrate the anniversary of working together. You know what I mean? Like when yep. you sign the first contract. And then say like, this is our fourth collaboration celebration. 
You know what I mean? Like, don't do the cheesy Christmas card. Like, do something totally different and be different. Be you and know, like, in an authentic way, your client. And so let's take that to a broader level. Let's talk a little bit about social media and email marketing and, like, how to really set yourself apart when you can't do it one-on-one. So one of the things that I absolutely love about what you do is storytelling. I mean, I know that all copy really is, is storytelling, but you have this, um, this fun way of just taking any situation. And I like how you often tie in target, like just, and making it just a real situation, you know what I mean? And, and then people feel connected because we all love target. Their carts are the best. They roll the best. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they so, really do. They really do. There's um, cup holders now in the front of them, which I find odd. Well, but the they one... have Starbucks in the front, so it makes Yeah, sense. but now with a mask, I can't really utilize it, That's which makes true. me sad. So every time I look down at that cup holder, I go, oh. Yeah. It's... I used to always just give make it as an excuse to like, I would just go to Target on Sundays and just walk around with a yeah. hot chocolate. And I would just true. walk around. It was like my, my happy, just like to just... I don't know. I would get inspiration just from walking around there. Maybe it's our sanitizer holder now. I'm not sure. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. It could just be our Sani holder. Tell my husband that. Yeah. Yes, I think so. But I think that is that the key really to taking this from the one-on-one to the, to the masses is telling stories that humanize and tie people back together. For me, yes. And so I always like teach what I know and what has worked for me. And the biggest thing that I found is I once had somebody say to me, you know, Marisa, being in your community or watching your Facebook lives or being on your email, I feel like I'm in your living room with you. And I was like, yeah, that's how I want it to feel. I want it to feel like we're really having a conversation. We're talking about not again, it goes, it goes back to, I think the thing I said earlier, Raya, which I didn't even know what I was going to say until this moment is that It goes back to who I was when I was an actor, which was, why do we have to always talk about the business? Right. And that's how I... Oh my God. I wanted to just let you know that this has just literally come to me in this moment. And it's the same now. It's what I realized is that when I became in the copy space, I felt almost like an outsider because I was like, I don't want to sit around and like talk about grammar and and data and blah. And I felt... And I almost felt like an an imposter in that way, even though I knew. I, I... I worked my butt off. I did my research, all that. But I felt like there had to be something else we could talk about. And that's what I have always strived to bring to my emails is, that, like you said, humanizing, bringing that relationship, what, I, what we call in the actor world, a slice of life, like giving people a window into my world, whether it's about my grandfather, whether it's about what movies I'm watching with my husband. And, and, and I think sometimes for people, it doesn't always have to be... I even wrote an email the other day, Raya, about how I said I was, I, I'd run out of stories that day. I said, I don't really yeah. even have a story to share with you today. That. Yeah. So I think it's just being honest. And it takes practice. I'm not going to say you'll walk away and you're like, all the stories will come to you. But I think just making a commitment that you're going to want your, your readers, your community to get to know like you, the person and not just you, the, you know, insert whatever your title is. 
Do you think there is a, I know this is different for every person, so maybe this is an impossible question, but do you think there's like a number of emails? Like there are people who are like, you should email every month. You should email every two weeks. You should email every week. You should email blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that there is, let's say you're starting out and, you know, is what do you normally recommend to your clients? Yeah. You know, I really believe that you have to marry what you know you can commit to with also understanding that maximum visibility equals maximum opportunity. Obviously, the more you show up and show up often, right? But if I go tell people, oh, people will come to me and go, okay, Marisa, I'm going to write three emails a week. Are you? You know, like I would rather you do something you can commit to and you know you can show up and do and do that well. And then we can go deeper in that and increase. So if my clients come to me and they say, you know, Marisa, I can really, I feel like I could write two a month. Awesome. Let's do it. And let's do it well. You know, I'm somebody where writing comes a little, comes natural to me. So I can, I can whip out an email, but I always say to my clients, it doesn't always have to be written. Maybe there's a Facebook live you can do and pop that into an email. Maybe you want to do video emails. Maybe you don't want to do as many emails and you want to focus more on, you know, your Facebook group or something else. I feel like there's no true, like, oh, the magic formula. I think you really have to marry the idea that, you know, especially when you're starting out, you have to be visible. And and for me, when I started out, I just made it a point to show up and show up often. And I also think that was from acting, I guess. Not that I really didn't care. Of course I cared, but I was okay. If not every Facebook live I put out was the best thing in the world. Yeah. You know, I remember, I think it was Seth Godin. He has this quote about 50% of the content. I'm probably butchering this Seth Godin quote, but 50% of what he puts out is like, you know, average. And I think it's the idea of just showing up. And I've learned more about my message and my copy just by showing up and seeing what resonates. Oh, that didn't resonate as much. Why not? How could I tweak that? How could I make it better? So I say you got to decide what you actually will stick to at first, and then you can go deeper and expand from there. I like that a lot. And I, and you know what? I Something that I just learned from you that I didn't even think about is that Facebook Lives, of course, they're copy. Like, of oh, course, yeah, they, 100%. Of course they count as copy. Yeah, that's your copy. What we're like, again, what we're doing right now, the stories that you told about, you know, how you tell your clients to send, you know, the, what do you call it, the collaboration celebration? Yes. That I was like, oh, that's awesome. You could have a whole video on like the possible collaboration celebrations. Like, yes. I think you get to do, I always tell my clients like what feels real, what's already working and how can we just amplify that? And it's, it might be different for everybody. I mean, obviously people come to me because they want to be better, you know, with their copy. So of course we're going to focus on that. But at the end of the day, I think it's most important that you find which, which kind of copy you want to focus on the most. I'm not interested in you being like a jack of all trades. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is true. And in the green room, in the ooh, in the green room, we had talked about social media and I had said like, how do you bring this level of copy to like LinkedIn? You know what I mean? And you had said, blow it up. And I thought that's just so freaking. Oh my God. Somebody needs to blow up LinkedIn. Like somebody needs to like. So, I mean, like I see the potential there. I really, really do. And especially because I'm a business to business business. Like I need to be hanging out there for sure. But it's like so boring sometimes. Yeah. It's like, so one of my clients is actually a LinkedIn expert. And it's so funny because the things that she talks about are very similar to what we're talking about here. 
you know, reaching out to people in a real way. Don't reach out and offer your lead magnet or go straight to a call, like reach out as a human. So funny. I was like, oh, this is very similar, you know, but I think like being a trailblazer in any platform is a really powerful thing. And so, so what that other people aren't telling stories on LinkedIn? Why does that mean that you can't? And you know, I've seen my clients mix it up, do sometimes that isn't a story that maybe is just kind of like, you know, here's what's happening in, in my world, or here's a quick tip. And then other times that are a story, like not being afraid to be the trailblazer over there. If not, it's, it's, it, it can feel a little stuffy. Yeah. I think stuffy is the right word, but I think it has potential. Like I really do think it has potential, but I, I do think we need more trailblazers for sure over there. One of the things, so first of all, I should say that we will be copying all of Marisa's everything everywhere in the show notes. So please get connected with the copy chat, you know, really dive in because there's so much good content happening every single week, but get on her email list because you'll laugh a lot. But one of the things I have found that you are a master at is the non-sales call to action. So Marisa will do this thing where not all the time, but she'll do this thing where she'll say, I'm watching, you know, Shit's Creek right now with my husband hit reply and tell me what you're watching, you know, and I have never seen anyone do something like that where they're inviting interaction, but they're not, they're not asking for a sale or not asking for an appointment. And so talk to me a little bit more about what are other examples of non-sales calls to action and like what, you know, what motivates you to do that? Yeah. Well, first of all, it goes back to, I think, and if it's okay, if I'll just use a slight, like swearing just for oh, a second. This is, is a that cool? friendly zone. Okay. So you're good. It's, it shows that you give a shit. Like I actually truly want to know because again, it goes back to that whole, like connecting as humans. And so it also, so let's go back for a second, just from like a copy standpoint. So when yeah. someone first joins your email list, you want to get them responding right away in your welcome sequence because number one, you see who's showing up, who, who are the people that are opting in, why do they opt in? And also, if someone responds to you, it lets the email like server that they're using know that they want to receive your emails. So it helps increase your deliverability rate. It helps make sure that it doesn't go to spam and it helps them actually get more of your content. So it's a really smart thing as to right away in those first few emails to get them to respond. So there's also that kind of like, you know, marketing genius, like wink, wink to it. But the deeper thing behind it is that I still do it beyond that because I want to be in that partnership with my readers. Because what I find is that the more that I have them responding, then when I do have something that's to book a call or, hey, the doors to the Copy Confidence Society are open or a new season of the Copy Chat's open they want to do those things because they've been responding to me. They've been interacting with me and I'm not constantly quote unquote, like, and, and not that I'm against selling to people because that's what we're, we're doing. If we're not selling, I mean, like again, go back to the business basic needs. If you don't not making sales, you don't have a business, but I feel like people who are constantly putting a book, a call, it can feel like the boy who cried wolf. Like you don't, you feel like you could do it at any time as opposed to really knowing when it's going to work well to do a book, a call to have somebody you know, join that the doors are open. So I like to use call to actions, which number one is to hit reply, but I make it very specific. So we're not just telling people hit reply and tell me what you think. 
it's like what you were, Raya, using the example, hey, we're watching Shit's Creek right now. Hit Rabbi and tell me what Netflix show you're binging right now. Like yeah. I make it as specific as I possibly can. You know, I find myself at Halloween binging Almond Joy bars. My husband's a Butterfinger guy. Between Almond, you know, which one are you? Almond Joy, are you team Almond Joy or team Butterfinger? Let me know. Like I make it as specific as I can. Or I tell people, hey, I did this live in the Copy Chat Facebook group. Here's what we broke down. Click here and watch it. You know, I, I give other things for them to do, calls to action to do that send them different places where they can learn more, get more tips, but ultimately where they can feel involved. I want people to feel like it's not just me writing to you, but that you feel involved in this. Like, again, it goes back to that whole, like you're in my living room and I'm not, you know, giving my Ted talk. This is a conversation. And so when people respond to me, I make it a point to respond back to every single email that I get. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think it's so important. It's so important to, to make it a personal experience. Again, it's going back to that authentic connection, you know, which makes me like want to reply to an email. I'm going to do that. Yes. And I also want to say, Hey, it's Raya. How's it going? Oh my God, please do. And I'll also say this, because I know some people will be listening and go, okay, well, I don't, you know, okay, people always respond to my emails, but then they don't buy from me. And so you need to understand this, that very often your fans are different from who your buyers are. Yes. So very often my people who respond to all my Facebook lives, who respond to every email, those are my fans. They very rarely buy from me. Those are my fans. And that's okay because they keep it going. They are when I'm on a Facebook live and I feel like I'm speaking to no one, they show up and they keep the party going. They remember me, they rave about me, they refer me. And so I'm so grateful to them. And that's why I try to put out really quality, like free content. So no matter like where you're at, you can actually learn something. And I'm so grateful for them. But whenever I open the doors to the Copy Confidence Society and I see people who book calls, Raya, I very rarely recognize the name. And I'll get on calls with people and then I'll ask them, why do you think that I, Marisa, could be the person that's going to help you make this happen for your copy, your business, your summit, whatever it is. And the person will say, well, I read all your emails. I read everything that you put out. I watch this. I watch this. Even though they've never responded to any of it. Interesting. So you have to know, even if you aren't getting that engagement, even if it feels like people aren't responding, there are people who are clocking you. So keep going. Keep doing it. Keep going. Yeah, that is so interesting. Okay. So before we get towards the end here, there is something that you released recently that I have to talk about, which first of all is instead of giving your two cents, you gave your two pennies. You quoted, you quoted <laughs> Shit's Creek, by the way. Was it Shit's Creek? My husband you know, literally Moira. in this moment is in the other room watching Shit's Creek. Um, As we all and should I be. shit you not, he is <laughs> watching Shit's Creek. So you were talking about, and you would use the example of an old blog post about offending your client. And I thought this was such an interesting concept. And you talked about the two Fs which was fucking face. And Mm -hmm. I think this is really, really important. And it was something that I, I have struggled with both, you know, like, especially because I grew up super Christian and I love the fuck words. So I'm like, okay, so my aunt Charlotte, who is an ordained minister is going to hate the fact that I am saying fuck. And I'm also going to piss people off because I say Jesus, like, you know, like totally, you know, so, and, and also like, and I'm also going to piss other people off because I'm exploring other spirituality, like other things, you know, other modalities, other, you know, other paths and things like that. And I think 
the bottom line is what I, at least in correct me if I'm wrong is authenticity, like really being who you are. Like I said this year that this was the year of healing and abundance for myself. And Mm -hmm. that has meant that I've talked on this podcast about things that are barely business. You know what I mean? And so, but that's authentic to who I am. And I'm an entrepreneur, which means that there are other entrepreneurs who may or may not be experiencing a similar situation. And so I loved, loved, loved that you said that because it gave me, I feel like permission to just dive deeper into that. You know what I mean? Just to say, but with the, give the caveat to what that is, you know, like what you're talking about when you say offend your audience. Yeah. Well, you know, like unsubscribes are having a moment right now because there's so much going on in the world with social justice and, you know, with the election and everything. And there was so I felt like everybody was talking about like unsubscribe. I was going back to a time and this is like before the copy chat. So this is like over two years ago. This is, I was, I was, you know, young baby me. I was a done for you copywriter. And I, the first kind of thing that I would do with people was these little writing workshops and people could come and show me their copy. And I wouldn't necessarily be writing, but I would like give them some pointers. And I had a woman come in and book a call with me. And I felt like her, 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 her copy just felt like it could, anybody could have cut and pasted it. And she on the call kept talking about, you know, how she had overcome cancer and was helping other women like, you know, post cancer, get back into a fitness routine and all this. And it was really cool what she was doing. And she kept talking about how her faith was a big part of that. And I said, well, how come that's not anywhere on this page? And she's like, well, I don't want to offend anybody or people like leave my list or my community. If I talk about Jesus, I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Like, you're not saying that Jesus is, you know, alone, how you, you know, overcame cancer. You're saying that there's things that's, you know, going and getting the medical help you need, what, what you were eating, what you were putting in your body and also your faith. And I think that there's a lot of women out there that want to choose a mentor where they feel they can be open and and talk about their faith. So why wouldn't you be putting that in your message? Absolutely. Yeah. So she did. And then, you know, her whole business like blew up in in a beautiful way. And I feel this in the same way. Like you have to be fully who you are. And if it's, if it's, you want to, you know, like we were saying, you want to say, fuck, you want to swear, you want to do whatever, be that person. Don't be that person just because you think it's cool. Like be that person no. if it's actually you. That's why like inside the Coffee Confident Society, we're really taking time, right? My clients are really taking time to understand like, what are those things that matter to you that you want to be talking about? Like when we talk about writing, like on your services page, or this could go on a one page website, whatever it is. I always teach about having this, like we're a hot match if section. Hmm. And it's like listing out like five to seven to 10 things that you think your ideal client should like know or have in place to like make them the perfect client for you. So it can be, you know, specific, right? Like you want to learn copy strategies, but it can also be values that are important to me, right? Like saying you are like not afraid if I drop the F-bomb on a call, like making a list of the things that matter to you so that your ideal client can like go through those things and be like, Oh yeah, that works for me. Or yeah, I'm cool with that. Or you know what, that isn't for me. And I'm going to go find a mentor who is. And I think that I make it. And then of course, if people unsubscribe or people don't, then it wasn't meant for them. And like, literally, I don't have real data on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Like 90% of the time, those people weren't going to buy from you anyways. Oh, for sure. And you're, you're paying for people to be on your email list. Yeah. 
So why would you want people there that don't want to receive that full expression of you? Yeah. So I'm, and it can be, and it's whatever your, this is what I was talking about in the My Two Pennies. It's whatever that barometer is comfortable for you, right? You have to decide what it is for you. For me, I grew up with, you know, a single mom who was a social worker, who was like out in the trenches. And for me, it's always been a part of who I was. I'm not going to shy away from talking about what I believe inside of my business. So I very much am going to have my hot match section call out to people who are willing, who, who want to stick up for all people, you know, and are willing to have these deeper, uncomfortable conversations, you know, about, you know, black indigenous people of color for the LGBTQ community, for people with disabilities, both seen and unseen. Like, I'm not going to shy away from that. And if that's not for you, then you, then I'm probably not the mentor for you. Right. For sure. Absolutely. I think that's so important because that's, and that's something that I would say that I've really come into my own in this last year where I was like, I'm done throwing crap at the wall. You know what I mean? Like it's either a yes, or like, this is what I used to tell my girls, like my daughters who are older, cause they're 21 and 19. If they yep. had like a, a guy that was like wishy-washy, I would say, okay, listen, here's how it goes down. It's a fuck yes, or it's a fuck no. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's like, it's a fuck yes, or it's a fuck no. Like, there's no like, oh, maybe he likes me, or maybe, you know, no. It's like, either you resonate or you don't, or maybe it's a no, not now. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. But that, but that's still a fuck. No, not now. You know what I mean? Like, yes. So it's okay. If it's a no, not now, like just let it go and let it be because you're making room for the people who are authentically connecting with what you are uh, doing and putting out there. Yeah, totally. And I think that's so, so important. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning, which is like everybody is, you know, has the skill set. Nobody's coming out with something like brand new. So people are making purchasing. If I'm just good at what I do, that's enough. It's like, no, it's not actually because there's so many choices. So people are making purchasing decisions, not just by skills, but also like what you stand for and who you are. And again, you have to decide the barometer of what's comfortable for you and, and which ways you're going to show who you are and what you stand for. But I think that that's the most important part is that people are making purchasing decisions on you, the person. There's a lot of really talented like business mentors or coaches or people who talk about summits or copy, but people choose me because they align with my personality and my values and like what I stand for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, for me, it's, it's a fuck yes. What can I say? I don't know. I just like, I absolutely resonate with what you're saying and what you are, what you're putting out there. I want people to understand the difference between what your offerings are before we close. So tell people a little bit, what is copy chat? What is the copy confidence society and how can they get involved with what you're doing? Yeah. So, oh, this is a great question. So the copy chat happens usually twice a year, usually in February and then in the summer. And the copy chat is free. The copy chat, we bring together business coaches, copy experts, online strategists, and each interview, the goal is that you'll walk away with one doable tip that you can implement for copy that, you know, makes money and creates this massive movement online. 
So we every season, we have different interviews around sales pages. We have on websites, niching, and it's absolutely free to come and listen into. And each season, there is always a an all-access pass, meaning you could upgrade and get lifetime access to the interviews, but we donate 100% of the profits to charity. And so this year, the Copy Chat community, because um, it's not just me, it's all the people who purchased the all-access pass, we've been able to donate over $30,000 to charity, which is amazing. And the next Copy Chat will be happening February uh, 2021, and we'll be featuring some awesome speakers. We have some really, really great things lined up. And then the Copy Confidence Society is my group program where we really dive in for us. If you're a service provider, a coach, a creative, and really help you discover what to say and how to say it and how to sell it so that you can, you know, call in more of your dream clients. So it works in three phases. We first, we call it Beetlejuice, your brand. So we're really looking at your copy, your messaging. How does it feel uncopyable? What do we need to tweak? What do we need to change? How do we need to restructure your offers? And then the second part is we really focus on what I call creating your own stage. So the Copy Confidence Society didn't used to include the create your own stage portion, but I found that coaches and creatives really wanted to learn how to do a summit in the way that I do the copy chat. Gotcha. So we added it in. It used to be a six-month program and now it's nine months. And so the second part is really about how do you take that uncopyable message and now amplify it so that you can bring yourself an audience so you have people to actually sell your stuff to and create this aligned community. So everybody gets to put on their, their summit, which is really cool. And then we spend the last part of the program on what I call like selling with sincerity. And that's all the sales copy pieces, all your sales page, your launch emails, how you show up on calls, everything, because it's all copy and how you do that so that you can create a business that's really rooted in like connection and collaboration first and foremost. I love that. Well, I always ask two questions and I didn't prep you. So if oh, it's okay. you know, so if you are flustered, it's okay. But I always ask two questions at the end of every call. And the first is, if someone was to walk away from this interview and they were to distill it down to one thing that they walked away from, one tidbit or takeaway, what would you want them to know about copy, about, you know, anything to do with messaging, what would you want them to know? Don't be wishy-washy. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Don't be wishy-washy. Stand up and stand, stand for something. Stand up and, and be that like unapologetically yourself and bring, look at your copy and go, everyone who's listening, look at your copy, look at, pick up a piece of copy. It could be a website, it could be an email, anything you want. Seriously, look at it and go, could somebody else copy and paste this and put this into their email, Instagram, website, whatever it is? If they can, then you haven't gone far enough yet. This is exactly why I'm redoing my website, by the way. I love that. It's going to be so great. A hundred percent why I'm redoing that because somebody looked at my website and says, I have no idea what you do. Yeah. And I was like, I'm done. I'm redoing my website because... Yeah. Not only do you need to know in five seconds what I do, but you need to know that it's me that's doing it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I love that. What love you do that. and why somebody would choose you out of other choices that they have. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, okay. This is the harder question, but of all of the resources in your life, and it does not have to do with copy. It doesn't have to do with copy, but just in general, 
And it can be something that you've read or something that someone's told you or that you've overheard. But what would you say is a piece of advice that has really, really resonated with you that you could share with us? Just something like either a favorite piece of advice or a mantra or something that that has really stuck out for you. Ooh, okay. When I was in college, I took this class with a teacher named Beth McCoy. And the class was called The Fugitive Slave Narrative. And in the first week of the class, she asked us, did any of us in this room feel that we were connected to like slavery in the US? And what, how did we feel about it, right? And of course, we, a bunch of us were just like a bunch of white kids in this class. Right. And I remember being like, holy shit, what am, what am I supposed to do in this moment? And throughout this class with Beth, in the t- during this class, we ended up reading this book called Kindred by Octavia Butler. And it became my favorite book. It became like the class from college I remember because Beth just blew the doors off my whole life about when I read Kindred. And I recognized that to be like a human connects you to like all people. And so what I've recognized in my business is to make sure that I create a space where I really am creating a safe space for everyone and that we are all connected. And if you're going to take money from people, you need to understand their... And I know it's hard for people because it, you, we don't know each other's stories, but make it a point to go out and learn and like educate yourself and fail forward. I certainly have failed in a lot of ways. We probably don't have to, you know, time to get into that, but I've, I've failed in a lot of ways, but I've made a commitment that I was going to show up for all members of my community. And I think that's the biggest thing that I would has been profound for me because I go back to this book. I go back to Kindred all the time. And I go back to that class with Beth. I mean, I'm 36 years old and I was, I was 20 years old. I go back, but is that 15 years ago? So her idea that we are responsible for each other. And that has been a huge guiding force in my life when, especially when I became a business owner was like, if I'm going to take people's money, I have to vow that I'm going to be responsible for people's success and for speaking up for them and showing up for them and creating a space for them and all of it. Which is like, I, that resonates so much with me because I always say when we take money from somebody, we're making a sacred commitment to them. A hundred percent. And it can deliver what we said we were going to deliver. And if you fail, you fail and then you make it right. But you're making a sacred commitment to that person. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. Well, Marisa, I could go on and on and on and on and on and on, but you have a life and (laughs) and a business to run. I, again, to the audience, I encourage you, please get connected with Marisa on Facebook, get on her email list. You will laugh. You will cry. You will hear, you will hear her two pennies for, for the record. I am team Almond Joy and Butterfinger. You can be Um, both. It's okay. (laughs) But I thank you so much for being on the podcast. And it has been my absolute pleasure. And thank you all to the audience for joining us on this adventure. This has been another episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I am your host, Raya Gonzalez. And thank you again this week and every week. Please join us to have more fun and more laughter. Thanks again.